Hello, and welcome to the podcast, a living library of resiliency, where we have creative conversations. It's a journey involving discussions to process resiliency, an exchange of discovery and healing, and talks among friends to open ears and eyes. Please reach out to me if you'd like to be a guest. I'm your host, Rhianna Berry, a visual artist, social worker, community-minded wellness program developer, psychology student, and wellness retreat coordinator. I have a diploma in community service work, studied journalism communications, and am currently pursuing psychotherapy and art therapy certification. Join me and my special co-hosts and guests as we share stories and exchange energy and mutual respect with individuals from all walks of life. Today, my co-host is longtime friend and former colleague, Melanie Nemps. Melanie grew up in Niagara with a single mother, and in hindsight, she was living in poverty and moving a lot. Still, she was an only child and had the fortune of spending all school breaks with her grandmother up in Dorset, Ontario. She went to Barrie for school and settled there for several years before a one-year adventure to Japan. She started working in the not-for-profit world and realized that helping others was something she loved to do. These past 18 months have been a challenge like no other. She lost her mother to cancer in September 2020 and is still struggling with the grief daily. Like many other parents, she has been trying to balance being a parent, a teacher, while still working and maintaining other areas of her life. Her two children know it's okay to cry and be sad. The trick is to take the time and give yourself permission to let it out. Episode 7, Walking Without Shape, The Inner Mist of My Mind. Kimberly is an influential feminine force. She supports women from all over the world with her writing and wellness business called Retroscripts. As a young black girl, Kimberly was the target of a racist school bully who inflicted demeaning, verbal, and demoralizing physical abuse. Home wasn't precisely a war-free zone either. With a bully at school and one at home, she didn't know where to turn for help. She reached out to an adult at school. It resulted in increased guilt, shame, and fear of authority. Join our heartfelt conversation where she recalls her experience growing up in the town's only family of color, having been confronted by police for a crime she didn't commit in grade four. Hear the stories that still make her shake thinking about them. As she matured into a young woman and a deep thinker, she was often told she looked angry and bitchy. In response, she pretended for those judgmental people and wore a more appropriate mask. It took years for her to shake the harsh experience of youth and early adulthood and to develop a love for the skin she is in and the person she continues to be. This badass, strong and independent woman, despite being set up by life to fail at many turns, saw her way through journalism school to become a talented creative writer, editor, wife, mother of a toddler, and a businesswoman. It's the hot seat. Like there's so much, I don't know. I have a light shining right now too. So that's why, but I'm just oh. like, oh my God, all eyes are on you. It's different. Uh. <laughs> yeah. But um, like we've talked before, so this shouldn't be too hard. Like we're pretty familiar at this point. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So 
Uh, Kimberly runs a writing group that I joined. Um, I found her through the Gwen program, which is like the women's women in business sort of program where you can receive mm-hmm. support from each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I jumped on her writing program and I'm almost finished my first chapter. It's That's almost exciting. ready for people to hear and look at and criticize and her feedback. Whatever and love. You want to say it. <laughs> but I did get a few good poems out of the prompts as well during your writing group. So that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about your writing group and let everybody know what it's about? I would love to. So the one that you're talking about is a Life Unleashed writing group. There's the Life Unleashed writing program as well. And they're kind of similar. The group is more for like-minded people who want to just get out there and write, but create a writing habit. Um, Something that I kept hearing over and over throughout the years was that people never have time or when they have time, they feel guilty for writing, which I totally understand. I feel that with the two-year-old, I'm in here writing and I'm like, oh, I should be out playing. But what I tried to do was create a time that is dedicated just for writing and connecting with other writers where you don't have to feel that guilt. It's on your calendar. It's a to-do kind of thing. So it's just something you have to check off and it's just a time for you to explore. So my goal was to get different kinds of people. And I think Rhiannon can say we definitely did that. Oh, yeah. So many different minds from around the world. Which yeah, I didn't that was expect. surprising too. My first time on, there was somebody from France. There was somebody from yeah. down south in the States. That was kind of cool. Wow. To get We've had feedback. Germany, Armenia. Like, it's just wild, the places that people have joined from. But what I've noticed is that we don't all think the same. And I love that. I think that's so fascinating. So obviously I'm British, I'm from England. So like that British dry humor, I kind of crave it sometimes. And I think you've noticed in the class, sometimes people say things and you can see people's faces like, oh my God, but other people, it's just totally normal. So it makes me giggle and laugh. Yeah. I got that actually. I, I kind of fell into a trap of that because I had thought I insulted somebody Yes. when I was giving them advice. And I was like, Ooh, because they kind of disappeared, but really they had just had a meeting, but I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. I was like, did they just disappear? Because I said that. And then afterwards I found out, no, she was like, totally just like loved the advice. And like, so I read it completely wrong, but it's like Mm. a cultural difference too, I think. Yeah. But I loved that. Like, I thought it was so interesting. First, I love that you reached out and apologized because I've never had anyone really do that. Even though I didn't know what was going on when you explained it all, I was like, oh, that is so interesting. So now I look for those kinds of things, but also it does show the divide that we have with humor, with, um, etiquette, all those kind of things. And it's not that you did anything wrong or anybody's done anything wrong. It's just getting to know each other's customs and terms and that kind of stuff. So it was, it taught, I think us a lot. I didn't tell anybody about it, but I wish I could just because it's such a learning moment. Yeah. And then by telling people about it, they might be like, should I have been like insulted by that? So I'm happy you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. That wouldn't breach that confidentiality, but I thought it was amazing. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. So tell us about your like longer uh, program. Yeah, so my longer program is the Life Unleashed Writing Program, and it's eight weeks long. And each week we learn about a different aspect of writing. So there's journaling, there's poetry, there's myths and fantasy, there's documentation, there's just all different ones. But we kind of begin with a meditation or breathing exercise. I've kind of revamped them a little bit to really fit for writers. I've found speaking to writers, there's like a specific kind of mindset 
that people have. And we don't always protect ourselves. We're like the deeper thinkers. We're the people that kind of go off on a tangent. And I almost picture it like floating away in space and we just need something to pull us back in again. So the breathing exercise that we do at the beginning is to show you exactly what it is, get you set up, but so you can do it on your own as well. Then we move into prompts. So the prompts are really interesting. Um, right now we're, I'm in the middle of doing the Life Unleash New Beginnings. And it's all surrounded around the pandemic and kind of coming to terms with whatever feelings you have. I think there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of fear, but there's also a lot of people who are enjoying this time and they have the ability to kind of step back and do what they want to do, but it feels wrong. So we're just exploring whatever feelings you have with the writing prompts and with the learning aspect as well. So I've tried to blend creativity with learning about writing as well. It's going really, it's fun. Like, I love it. And I think people love it as well. It's the feedback I'm getting. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I'm sure it picked up during the pandemic too, when people had a little bit more time during the shutdowns. Yeah, more time. And I think people reached for the creative creativity side of things. We were very structured, I think, from what I've heard from others, very structured. You have to go to work, you have to do this. But with free time, people reached for creative outlets, the art, all that. So I think... People who thought they could never write and thought they kind of sucked at it or bad at it or whatever, they just opened their minds and took a chance and discovered they like it. So it's awesome. Yeah, I think Melanie can attest to that too, uh, getting creative during that time and making time, especially with her little ones. Yes, yes. We've done a lot of art over the last 18 months. But the funny (laughs) part is, is that it became, you had to become even more creative simply because you couldn't get products anymore yes with COVID (laughs) exactly we did the same thing Melanie with my daughter and like because I couldn't ordering on Amazon took forever for a little bit there so we made paint out of like beets and out of vegetables wow and it worked and like it was good because she could eat it like I didn't have to freak out or anything when she put it in her mouth yeah absolutely I didn't get that creative I had a lot of supplies so but just you know recycling even just to make different things and yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting to see what they could come up with. Yeah. Interesting to see what you can come up with too, right? Like what yes. you can do when you have to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think that because I didn't have younger children, I had a lot of time to focus on me yeah. and developing my own creativity, yes. uh, whether it was like painting or developing programs for like other creatives to participate in too. And then as well, like writing again, I hadn't yeah. written um creatively in a long time yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard when you're juggling a lot of things as well like especially as moms I'm like I speak about moms a lot because I am female obviously and that's what I identify as but I feel like we have this mental load where like we just stack everything up and we want to make sure everything's taken care of so to sit down and just write it's like oh that's something you can brush off your list but like you just said Rhiannon this gave you the time and the space to actually mm-hmm. do it so Hopefully you can incorporate it when everything starts up again and keep it going. Yeah, I think, yeah, there is a lot on my plate right now. And when I first joined, remember, I was saying, I'm so sick of writing for school. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I need to, I want to write, but I don't want to write for school reports anymore. I want to write for like myself and like, cause that piece, I didn't even have time to paint for a while because I was just like always writing about these crazy topics that I didn't want to be writing about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, getting into the prompts with you allowed me to like pull some of what I learned into my writing mm-hmm. 
And I, if I hadn't taken a break for my brain to sort of like relax and just have like a free flow of writing that those two pieces wouldn't have come together for me. Yeah. And then they did. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like, it's good timing, but it was, it was just like, I needed a break, but I still wanted to write. It was weird. Mm -hmm. No, I hear you. It's because it's like, I feel like writing for a lot of people, maybe it's the same for you. It's like an outlet, like you disappear into it. You Mm -hmm. can just explore it without having to really think like I always say it I picture like ink pouring from your fingers when you're typing because you're not consciously always having to focus whereas with your schoolwork there's a right answer like you have to be on the ball right yeah and it's technical and dry yeah exactly yeah I hear you (laughs) um when we asked you uh in the preliminary questions Mm -hmm. if your life were a novel what would the title be you said walking without shape, the inner mist of my mind. Yes. Do you want to explain why you chose that title? Sure. I thought about that. Your questions, first of all, were really good, but like they sent me through this so deep thinking place. It took me about five hours to answer them just because oh, I wow. got caught up in the thinking, but it was good because like, it opened me up to a lot of things that I had tucked away in my brain. So why did I answer that? Um, I'm actually just looking online. I hope this doesn't make sure looking for the answers that I sent you so that I can think about them while I'm writing. Walking without shape, I kind of thought because I've gone through different lives, I feel in my life so far, different stages and different parts. And I never think I'm fully healed from everything that happened in my past. So it's almost like I'm always changing my shape. And when as soon as I think I know, oh, this is Kimberly, this is who she is things change again. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this is Kimberly, or I'll flip back and be like, who am I? So it's always different. And I say the inner mist of my mind, because the only thing that stayed the same or stayed true is what's inside my brain. And I know like what a brain looks like and all that, but like, I almost see it like a mist. It's all constantly absorbing things. It's changing colors. It's morphing. And I liked that idea, especially as a writer, probably I just go off on tangents, but having that changing shape, I don't ever want to be the same person that I was last year or the year before. I like the idea of changing and just walking without a shape, being who you are in that moment at that time. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the visual, you can tell you're a writer of the mist changing color and swirling around inside of your brain instead of yeah. a brain. Exactly. Yeah. I think my brain is kind of sometimes my enemy. Like, I think everybody probably thinks that, but like the stuff it holds. And I almost think of uh, memories as doors. And they have locks. And sometimes I just don't want to open that. I don't want to go there. So to picture it as a mist instead, there's those doors in there, but the mist just kind of changes and morphs. So you don't know what door you're going to open at any time. And I don't know, it kind of is comforting in a way. It's an interesting statement for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Can totally unpack that in another episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, just tell us a little bit more about like the process of answering these preliminary questions for you. So I went through and I read them all and the hardest part, I, well, one of the hardest parts was picking which ones I wanted to answer because the um, studious uh, type A in me was like, I'm going to do them all. And then I was like, no, I'm not like that is way too much work and too much thinking. But then I was like, what do I have to say? So I kind of combined it with my business 
and with my life. And my business is here because of things that have happened in my life and it's a reflection. So I was like, how can I share my story with you guys in a way that highlights what I truly feel and truly kind of harp all the time and try to push? And so those are the questions that I answered and I tried to answer as truthful as I can. At first I was kind of like, what do I edit out? What do I keep for myself? But I'm always saying to my uh, classes and everything, be open, push yourself, push your boundaries, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. So, and I asked that of people in my podcast as well, please just tell your story, like maybe obviously uh, respect your boundaries, but push yourself a bit. So I did the same thing when I was answering the questions. Well, thanks for answering authentically. No problem. Yeah, it's great. I um. I really liked the term badass that you use yeah. in your um, sessions, but also just in your, in your speech, when I've been talking with you before, you're just like, be a badass. So women should be badasses. Yeah. So, <laughs> I truly believe that. <laughs> yeah. And it came, it came out in your answers. So mm-hmm. a lot of just uh, women empowerment. Yeah. Do you think that this is something that's elemental in what you do? I think it is definitely. And it's women empowerment, empowerment with what it means to you. Cause what I say is a badass, and what I think is empowerment is not the same for you. And it wouldn't be the same for Melanie or anybody else. It's owning what it is to you. That's empowering what your secret power is or your strengths are. I think often we're told like, Oh, speak up. You're too quiet or shut up. You're too loud or whatever. And it mm-hmm. makes your head spin. What, what do you want me to be? And that's when you push it aside and you have to kind of think, what do I want to be? What kind of feels right, settles well with me and fits and go with that. Yeah. I took a lot of what you wrote about, and I, I maybe read between the lines a bit and really thought about acceptance, acceptance of yourself. Yes. Right. And, uh, you know, just after reading everything, I just kind of, I thought, you know, how do we teach that to others, mm-hmm. right? I think I think of my daughter who is eight years old and I know that she questions herself probably honestly 10 times, 15 times a day. And I really, that word or that thought of acceptance and accepting your attributes and then seeing them as strengths. And I feel that from what I read, that's something that you did. And I'm curious about that. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? I think like your daughter, I went through a long, long period of hating everything about me. Like I hated the color of my skin. I hated the way I spoke because I have a lower voice. I hated the way my eyes, I just everything I picked and picked and picked and picked. And it, and again, it, I'm sorry, I talk a lot in imagery, but like I pictured it like an open sore, like these things I was picking, like they hurt. And it occurred to me when I was sitting on the beach, like, okay, you put a bandaid on something that hurts. You kind of try to heal it. I need to heal the part of me that hates so much because it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. And it kind of occurred to me that I don't need, although uh, I do want respect from others. I do want people to like me, all those things. The most important person to me is me. And if everybody in the world was to disappear or something happened, who's going to be left? Only yourself and the voice in your head. So you Mm -hmm. may as well become best friends with that voice. And I know it sounds weird, but it's almost like having two different voices. So you have yours, your outside, but you also have the one in the head that kind of nurtures and like talks to your younger self, talks to yourself today. 
and nurturing that was really important. So with my daughter, when she was born, since the first day she was born, we did this thing where she said, I am smart, I am strong, and I am beautiful. And we say it every single day. And she laughs mm-hmm. and plays with it. But I noticed that when we do it, her demeanor, even if she's crying or having a bad day, it changes and she gets all excited. So I was like, okay, that's the feeling that we want you to have always or as much as possible. So yes. even though she's only two, I've noticed little things where people will say something about her hair because she's got this crazy fro or they'll say something about her feet which are abnormally huge and she kind of (laughs) they are but she shrinks back a little bit and I'm like no look at your feet and then I show her mommy's feet which are also abnormally huge for my height and I'm like they're awesome like look what we can do so we do footprints and all that and she gets happy so I'm trying like with her to show like you're weird you're different you're awesome like own it and be your own best friend if I'm busy and like she need, like now and she needs to be by herself, I kind of encourage her to like write, even though she cannot write, write down, <laughs> crawl or color and do all those fun right. things that kind of unleash that inner power. I think that's where it's all hidden. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> I see a whole workshop for kids. <laughs> yeah, I love this. <laughs> your future. <laughs> I like the, the man, the mantra, because yeah. when I was yeah. younger, my dad did a lot of silly things, but one thing that he did do was read this book about, um, get, and he gave all of us our own mantras. And mine was, I'm happy on the inside, I'm happy on the outside, and I smile a lot. And I had to say, so he would call us into the room, be like, go. And of course, the older kids had these like really long ones to the point where they hated it, right? But mine was super easy. So I was, so it stuck in my head, right? And uh, it was something that I carried with me. Like even now, sometimes like people will say silly things and I'll be like, just repeat after me. And I'll say it as sort of like a sarcastic thing. But uh, I like the idea of that because it does help, especially when you're like a young kid, happy on the inside and happy on the outside. And I smile a lot. I love that. Yeah. It's important to remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um. When I was reading through your answers, Mm -hmm. uh, the topic of mental health came up and I wanted to explore it a little bit with you, Um, especially now that we've all gone through this long period of social uh, restrictions and people have been talking more about their depression and anxiety and maybe even their trauma and PTSD. And I noticed here that you had mentioned that you did struggle with depression at some points of your life. And I wanted to know if that came up again during this period in COVID and how you dealt with it, or if it didn't, maybe just talk a little bit about your experience throughout your life. That's deep. So I think it did and it didn't at the same time. It came up in a different way. So I started having, I liked, first of all, in the beginning of COVID, I liked having the time to just be by myself. I'm much of an introvert. Like I like talking and I can do all this on the screen, but to be in a crowded room of people, I just feel it. Like I can feel the energy and it's a lot of overwhelm. So at first I was like celebrating. Now I don't have to go to the networking meetings in person. I don't have to do all those things. But then I started to realize I almost was shifting back to the person I was when I was single and alone and didn't have friends and family and all that. And it was kind of like sliding back into those feelings, even though I wasn't single or alone. And I had to kind of sit and see why those feelings were coming up. And I realized it was boundaries. So 
I'm a big boundaries person, but I'm also big at like letting my boundaries just get stomped all over. And when I was first going through my depression, um, and I think I wrote about sitting on the beach and really reflecting and there was one path I could take, I ended up putting up this like metaphorical um, wall around myself and just didn't let anything in and nothing out. And it was healthy at the time because I just needed that space. But now it's not healthy because I have a child, I have a wife, I have friends and I have people that rely on me, but I also have things I want to share. So when that wall started to be put up at the beginning of COVID, I was like, okay, this is scary. What am I missing? And I realized like you, Rhiannon, I wasn't doing the creative writing anymore. I write a ton for my business. I write a ton for other people, but I wasn't doing that kind of exploration that I love to do and just writing about whatever comes to my mind. And usually what comes to my mind is something that's happened in the past and I'm working through, but I just hadn't done that for almost two years um, since I had my daughter. So then now that I've started to get back more into it, it's almost like redefining and refinding who you are again and or who you are this time. So it's really helped. It's interesting how how deep everybody got during that or a, a large majority of people were forced to sort of reflect during that time yeah and maybe realize that they weren't as healed as they perhaps thought they were and I don't think you'll ever like I don't think I'll ever be cured or healed or whatever it is I can get to the best that I can but I'm gonna slip and I know I'm gonna slip or I'm gonna go leaps and bounds and come back again it's like a journey right Mm -hmm. you're constantly ebbing and flowing going with it yeah yeah Um, you also mentioned um, one of the key what, keys when you were younger to sort of shaking this, um, always being aware of other people's judgments and perhaps that leading to depression or anxiety is this being your own self-advocate. Yes, self-advocacy. I know we've talked about this before, Rhiannon, and I think that especially, like I grew up in a small town. Um, we were the only black family in the town and I didn't realize I was black until I was probably in grade three when someone told me and like I can literally remember it being like a smash in the face and being like holy crap like (laughs) I am and it's just as a kid you don't think about it and we weren't like we had family in other cities or friends or whatever but we didn't see them as often so you didn't get exposed to that and then when people started to kind of the discrimination and I started to realize what it was people were saying like no you go stand over there don't touch my child first I just kind of thought well it's just the way life is but then you kind of realize it's wrong you realize that it's because you're an other and you're different and I personally kind of folded in on myself I did have my siblings to kind of protect and care for so I didn't do it for myself as much but then really standing up and um I guess realizing that there's power in being mysterious or feared and because I was already writing and telling stories to my siblings I just kind of wove that all into it at the same time um at first I kind of made myself smaller and less threatening uh I can vividly remember and I hope it's okay if I share a story but when I was in grade five, it was either grade four or grade five um there was a girl who bullied me like she would threatened to color my eyeballs black so nobody would ever find me in the dark. She rubbed dog poop in my face, like every day would beat me up. And at the time I was just starting out as a fighter because I was, I became an MMA fighter later on in life, but we were in the gym 
but we were always told if you ever use your martial arts outside the ring, that's it. My dad was my coach and he said, you're never doing it again. So I just didn't fight back. I just kind of shrink away. Um, After getting my butt kicked, I'd go tell the teacher and the teacher would be like, oh, so what can you do to make this better? What can you do to kind of stop this? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I haven't done anything to cause it. So one day, um, a police officer walked in the class with the principal and said in front of the whole class, why did you strangle the girl who was bullying me? And I was like, I didn't. I've been here in class. And they said, no, last night. I said, I didn't. Like, it wasn't me. And they just kept saying, yes, you did. Why did you do it? Why did you do it? And I could, like, feel everybody watching me. And I was like, what the hell? So I think the teacher was like, okay, this is kind of becoming inappropriate. Let's take it into the hallway. And they said that at eight o'clock that night, I had gone to her house and I had tried to strangle her in her doorway. And I was like, eight o'clock, I was in bed. Like, at that time, and I still am, I get up at 5 a.m., I go to bed super early. And I said, it wasn't me. Well, it turned out that it was a girl in high school. So I'm grade four or grade five. It was another black girl in high school, a couple towns over, who had also been bullied, went and did that. But the principal ended up saying, well, you can see why we made the mistake. You guys do look alike. And at the time, I just kind of shrugged it up and was like, okay, like I'm going back to class. But now as an older person or in my teen years, when I thought about it, I start shaking and be like, what the hell? Like, that's not okay. And that's left such an imprint on my brain now and growing up, like I would, as soon as I'd see someone of power, I'd just kind of stand there and be like, it wasn't like, I didn't do anything. I swear to God, like you have that backup, that feeling. But I kind of learned as well, like after that, I can remember being like, screw this. I don't care if I'm going to get in trouble. I did end up getting in a fist fight with that girl and she never bullied me again. I did end up fighting for people that were getting bullied as well. And I kind of became this badass um little kid who would just fight for people and my dad kind of understood I didn't get kicked out of fighting but he was like good and it kind of built something inside of me where instead of sitting with my back down just eating my lunch now I was like more open and yeah I just had to become that fighter yeah so now we have something else in common I beat up my bullies too yeah (laughs) and I get that bullies like grade four you know what I mean yeah Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you have to, you do have to stand and advocate for yourself. No one else can sometimes do it for you. Yeah, it's true. And you're always told not to hit, right? Mm-hmm. I will talk, teach my daughter. It's you're being hit. You do have to fight. Like You can't always shrink back. Obviously use your words first and all that stuff, but there hits a point when you have to. Yeah, there was a point where I had to yeah. and involved a tetherball. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad fight. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like intrigued. I I, well, I can tell a story, I guess. Um, yeah. So I just, I had somebody who was bullying me, making fun of me. Um, I had a few bullies at this one school cause I was the new kid. Plus, um, like we weren't, we were at that time we were pretty poor. So like I would come to school. I, I it took a while for me to get my winter jacket so I was bullied for not having a winter jacket so I was bullied for being poor (laughs) and uh that was that went on for a while and then one day I was in the tetherball line and I got matched with one of my bullies and instead of spiking the tetherball I spiked it right in her face and when she fell over I took advantage of that 
I just had it. I hit my breaking point. Teachers weren't helping. Parents weren't helping. Mm-hmm. Older brother wasn't helping. Uh, I just took it upon myself. And like, I look back on it. Yeah. Like you don't want to, you don't want to scrap like that, but you know, <laughs> there was no help. It was frustrating. Did you notice a change after and the way that oh, she, she was did- so scared of me? Yeah. I, I had to go apologize to her, but she was freaked right out. Mm-hmm. She never thought that that would happen. Yeah. She was like a popular mm-hmm. kid. It's a learning lesson for her too, though. Like, obviously, <laughs> like you said, don't fight. And But you hit that breaking point where you're like, okay, enough is enough. Like, yeah. this is not healthy for me. It's not healthy for you. Yeah. I just sort of snapped at the, at the tetherball court. Yep. That's what you thought coming. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie's like, I could just picture this. I could picture this too. <laughs> Um, you know they pushed and pushed there's like four or five of them so yeah I didn't get the dog poo in the face though and I'm so sorry that that happened to you yeah that just makes me angry at the end of the day I feel like it's made me who I am like not that I would ever want that to happen to anyone else and I hate that it happened to little me and all that but I don't know it's made me stronger like no one's gonna push me around like that ever again it's not gonna happen I now have that Mm -hmm. voice and I have that power and when I see it happening to other people as well, I can kind of identify, like, I think a lot of it's hidden, especially with kids, kids hide these things and they don't want to talk because they don't want to get in trouble or whatever, but you see it now I can kind of connect in that way. Yeah. I think it is so (laughs) devastating too. It's like that feeling of telling and then nobody doing anything. Mm -hmm. I told many teachers, like, I remember telling again, Uh, It was the last day of school in grade five and we were going to grade six, which was a different school. And I told my teachers what was happening at home and about some abuse. And their response was, well, you do know that if we take this any further, your siblings and you will be split up and you might not see your mommy and daddy anymore. And I remember being like, oh my God, my like, I can't lose my dad. I can't lose my siblings. So I just left it, didn't go any further. And now I'm like, why would an adult say that to a child? Like- it was it's a little bit of the times right but then also like your place in society and their version of what society is yeah right where people give their advice from like they might not have given that to another kid they gave it to you yeah um i had this a similar speech when we got got all we had something happen we got all pulled into a fax office and right before they came in my older brother gave us that speech he said you know don't say anything because they're going to split us all up and we're not going to know where you guys are. We're not going to know where to find you. We'll be able to protect you. Uh, but yeah, we got a similar speech. And when I look back on that, I think, I don't know if that was the right advice to give us, you know, but, but me, but I don't know what would have happened in those other places. Exactly. It's like that other path. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Similar, similar backgrounds, you and I definitely, I think that's why we connect very well. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Do you want to um, talk a little bit about, like, I think a lot of your background has shaped your your view of hope? Because I did ask you in the questions about hope, and I was intrigued by your answer. Yeah. Most so people I, are like, oh, hope means this, but you, ju- you took it in a completely different direction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I took it in a different direction because this question came up 
when I was in university and I cannot even remember the assignment or the class, but it was about hope. And um, we have the hope for the future. I can't even remember why, but I remember being like, oh, like that word, like it's just, it's not dirty. And I know for everybody, it's something different. But for me, it, I didn't have hope. Like I always hoped that somebody would save me as a kid. I hoped that I could become this person that was uh, flourishing and beautiful. And I wanted the long hair, all these things I hoped for. And none of them happened. And it wasn't until I kind of took ownership of my life and thought about growth and manifestation and making things happen for myself. Even as a kid, I have my very first vision board on the wall. And as a kid, I used to put things on there and there's like pictures of the singer Pink and uh, motorcycles and all this stuff because those are things I wanted to have happen. And if I look at it, a lot of the stuff I put up there came to be because I made it happen and because I followed my gut and followed those posters. And as my life was like unfolding, hope held me back because I'd always be like oh I hope that I get accepted to university or this university or I hope that I become captain of this and it would never happen but if I said something like you know what I will be the captain of my rugby team which happened because I worked towards it or if I hope or I I um I believe I'm gonna go make it into this university um that I want to go to in a writing program and I made that happen we didn't have the money for it we like mm-hmm. it, was never going to be a thing but I worked my ass off three jobs like everything I could do to get there and it happened so I just feel like hoping and maybe it's wrong but hoping maybe just replacing the word hope with I instead of I hope it's I will I will yeah Mm -hmm. so it's that word that word to me is just it gives me that feeling in my gut it's icky and I just need to open my own pathways my own doorways yeah well I think hope Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, hope does open you up to, it's a, it's a possibility, right? Like it's not a for sure. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, if you are making it happen, or if you, you know, decide this, I want this, yeah. then you want it and it's going to happen. And if you use the word hope, then it's still optional, right? Yeah, it takes, exactly. I can see that. And I feel like it's a word that's used a lot in random sentences. So like, <laughs> it's not positive. It's not negative. It's There's just the there. writer. Yeah. yeah. I hope that you never do that again. Well, you can hope, but I might do it or I might not. Like, it's just so wishy-washy. But if you said something like, you will never do that again. Okay, I won't. Because now I'm kind of like, oh, I did something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that feeling. Right. I think I overanalyze a lot of things. Well, hope <laughs> can also be like a shame thing, right? Like, I hope you never do that again. That's basically... Like, where is that coming from? Is that coming from wanting to shame the person into not doing it again? Mm-hmm. Or is it like a legit conversation? Like, this is why you won't do it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the imagery that mm-hmm. it brings up. Because if I remember, um, do you remember those shows with is it Sarah McLaughlin, where she would talk about the animals and it was really sad? Yeah, click, click. Yeah, yeah. And, or there was the UNICEF show, all those commercials. Oh, the yeah. word hope was always tied to them. And as because we grew up in that time when they were always on the commercials that's hilarious that's what i was just gonna tie it to catholic guilt there but i didn't go. want to go there but i think you're going there i was <laughs> <laughs> it's just what pops in your head and then it's like this negative feeling because the animals are still needing to be saved the kids in africa all those things still need to be solved so hope it didn't do anything so mm-hmm. yeah thoughts and prayers yeah exactly let's do some action <laughs> Well, it was definitely an interesting and unique take on it from all the people who have 
uh, filled in that question. So thanks well, thank for you. kind of expanding my mind on that because for me, hope, it, you know, has always been like a very positive word, but I can see where you're coming from. And I love mm -hmm. that it's a positive word for you and for others. Like, and that's what I like about writing is there's so many different ways to take a sentence or a word nothing's right nothing's wrong it just is for you whatever it is right so I love hearing other people's perspective of what they're thinking too yeah and it comes down to English language you know being that pig farmer dialect right and just being all over the freaking place and yeah ridiculous the tone yeah. every word has so many meanings yeah. yeah and there's like 15 words for the same meaning and it makes exactly. writing fun though creative writing it does <laughs> it definitely does on that note, I need to ask you about some, or I want to comment on something as well. Um, you uh, referred to RBF. So that's an, an acronym that we all know as, or lots of us know as that resting bitch face, mm -hmm. right? And when you wrote about that, I could immediately relate to you because I, I absolutely have that, uh, that situation in my world. Yes. And it's actually a family trait that uh, has been passed down for generations. And you made me think about it and that impact on the, and the impact of it on life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I have many, many times um, people think I'm angry or I'm not very friendly because when I think, or when I'm in thought or when I'm in doing something, I don't look like I'm happy <laughs> because I'm concentrating. So I'm just curious if you can talk about that experience for yourself uh, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So like I smile a lot now, especially when I'm having conversations like this, because I'm enjoying sure. myself. But if yeah. you were to keep going and keep talking, my face would probably just morph into this like, and I'm not like, I'm not being rude. I'm not bored. I'm just like taking it all in. And there's so much going on like behind the scenes that I can't control yeah. what I look like. And I can remember like being young and people being like, smile, like smile. This is how you're going to get like into things. This is how people are going to like you smile. So I'd like, I literally learned how to smile. I'm like, I had to work with my mouth and like curving and showing my teeth and being like, this is freaking weird. Like <laughs> why? So now my smile, I don't even feel like there's a difference between when I smile and my genuine smile. My genuine smile is probably a little scarier because I'm like just in the moment, like so happy. But when I have to sit there like this every time, I'm just like not focusing on what you're saying. I'm focusing on my face and the structure. Trying right. to put that mask on. So exactly. yeah. Exactly. And I'm introspective. So like, I like thinking and talking in my own head as you're talking, like just to process what's going on behind the scenes. And I can remember once I was listening to somebody and they're like, well, there's no big, there's no, pro no point in talking to you anymore. And I was just like, Wait, what just what happened well you're obviously pissed off about what I'm saying I was like no like I agree with you wholeheartedly I was just understanding and like thinking about what you were saying so I could comment back and they were just so put off by my face and I was like this is a problem like people won't talk <laughs> to me and I've had so many people like prospective uh, partners and stuff in the past being like oh I didn't come talk to you because you just look so scary and I was just like <laughs> Okay, what about be scared? You just look intimidating. But for mm. me, if I saw you just, I don't know, wherever, standing there and you had that face, I'd be like, okay, what's she thinking about? Then I'd probably yeah. come and talk to you, bug the hell out of you being like, so how's it going? Like, what are you doing? Because I think you're thinking as well. And I want to know what you're thinking, right? Yeah, right. Melanie so, does a lot of thinking. For sure. I love, <laughs> love it. 
and like it's so interesting when people think like the things like why are you thinking what you're thinking even if I don't agree with it I'm like oh where did this come from because there's a whole right. path that leads to probably a moment in your life that kind of blossomed it right and that's where I want to get to so yeah resting bitch face is an issue I mean it's helped me in the rugby world on the field people were terrified yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. I'm not scary. I'm more afraid of you right now. But yeah, if this is going to work to my advantage or walking yeah. down the street, but I just think people should be able to be who they are. Like if you're happy, be happy. If you've got that bright sunshining face, awesome. But don't try to control my face for your benefit. Yeah. And it's exhausting, right? It like is. I know, like I've had this conversation with so many people because they asked me like, how come you just like, you know, like for, for even like um, my painting tutorials or whatever, I just be me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, hi, we're going to paint today. And it's so exciting. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's two or and a half hours of that would kill me. You'd be so tired. <laughs> Your face would be twitching, like, because you can't control that much. That yeah. Long. So that's sort of how like gentle painting was born. Cause I was like, no, like, hold on a second. What am I doing? This is insanity. Yep. I need to just be me. Yeah. Exactly. And who am I? And what kind of teacher am I? And just be authentic and that'll attract the right people to you as well yeah the people who want to be there sorry my cat's uh talking to me right now that's okay I love cats (laughs) it's interesting um I do my writing workshops in a cancer group as well for for one of the cancer groups in the area I'm not sure if I can say the name so I won't but um one of the things like people come on and like they have their wigs put on and their makeup and like when it was in person everyone was so proper and I was like listen I didn't put deodorant on today. Like I'm feeling really hot, like, and I'm wearing this clothing because I'm bloated. So you be you and you own however you're feeling. And then so many people just kind of sigh it out and they're like, oh, thank God. Like now we can actually do what we want to do and focus. And same with the um, end of life workshops that I was putting on for a while. People would come the way, looking and smiling and feeling the way they thought that I wanted them to be. And I'm like, no wherever you are in this moment, whatever you're experiencing, bring that to the table because that's going to make your writing so much more authentic than if you put on this happy smiley face and you've got this like, that's not you right now. So don't pretend it is. And if it is, then that's great. Please bring that too, but be authentic, be who you are. Yeah, I think it's perfectly fine to be who you are. And if people misunderstand you, whose problem is that it's not my really problem. it's it's their perspective right yeah. you can't change how they I get in trouble for a smirk uh, that's just my smile yeah but people always think I'm up to something yeah you know <laughs> it, it's interesting because the first time I actually met you and we talked you were very much yourself and now that I've got to know you it's just you but I was like oh this is weird in a good way this is weird and interesting because she's not smiling she's not putting on like the hand like being overly animated or anything so it like drew me into you so that's why I like reached out and talked to you again and I was like okay I gotta get to know like what she's like and I was like this is just her whereas a lot of people that I meet and it's no criticism it's just the way they handle it but when they first meet you they're overly happy and they want you to feel comfortable but I'm like that makes me uncomfortable because then I'm like okay what are you trying to hide like what is this covering up in a way so it was pretty neat Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I know. Um, well, and then, oops, sorry, give me one second. I'll have to edit this part out. Can That's you please okay. take the cat? <laughs> I'm shocked no one's banging on my door, so I'm happy <laughs> this is not happening to me. 
<laughs> yeah, my son's not here because if he was, he would not stop talking. So. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of love that though when I'm doing videos and doing talks with people. I'm like, oh, I get to background into your life. Who's there? What's happening? Yeah. What are you really? My son like? has this, I am he has this tech like tendency to come and sit on my he wants to sit on my lap whenever I'm on a Zoom meeting. Yeah. And he he's like obsessed with the camera. So if he'll take his finger in and he's like, Oh, look at that. I'm just like, oh dear. I love that. That's cute. Yeah, Yeah, see, like you guys have kids and I have a cat. I've got three cats and a dog. I don't know how this is so calm right now. Yeah. I'm not gonna say very much because I'll jinx it, right? No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. She wanted to look out the window and I didn't I didn't want to open it for her, so I made Mateo take her. What an awful (laughs) mummy. It is what it is. So where were we? I'm sorry. Oh, we were talking about when we first met. Yeah. Yes. And the resting bitch face and the way you are. I like when people just are the way they are. Don't fake it. And working because I worked in hospice care for five years and I'll end up going back there eventually because I loved it so much. But when people are at the end of their lives, like the end of their journey, I feel like a lot of realness comes out. Like you see people's true shades if they're able to still communicate and show up. But I think even if you were the biggest a-hole or just the rudest person, I love that that authenticity still comes out. And I like when people go out as they are, right? Don't be fake, especially not in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely going to see the realness come out at the end of life. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. There's no, There's nothing left to hide. Well, exactly. maybe for some people, but... And if you hide it, that's when I notice. And that's kind of why my business all started up, releasing people's stories and really telling them, if you hide it, it's so much harder to pass on because you just, you're, you're still like have those claws and you're constricted and you're holding it on. Whereas if you just tell, you almost like just sigh it all out and then just go, right? And that's how I want to go. Eventually I'm working on my own life story. It's taken me like 10 years, but I'm like, I got to get it out of me so that if something was to happen, I don't want to still have those vice grips on every aspect of my story. I want to just release it so I can go. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted you to talk a little bit more about retro scripts and, you know, the writing that you do for people's end of life or family stories. So it's your business with us. I would love to. So that's one side of my business. So we talked about the workshops and the programs, but what really started it all was the end of life stories. So now it's kind of morphed into, it's not just end of life. There's baby stories, there's pregnancy stories, weddings, business, whatever story you have to tell. That's what I want to write. But the one thing I ask people that when they sign up to have me write their stories, be authentic. I want to know the nitty gritty and I want it to be true to you. Uh, I did have somebody who read um, her mother's story before printing it say, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And I was like, it's not true to you, but something that happened to me could happen to my sibling very differently. And they interpret it hyper opposite, even though it's my story. So when you're reading someone's book, I kind of write it in such a way that it's their language. So grammar mistakes, uh, the wrong words, they're included in your book. My dad says specifically all the time. I specifically told you. And I'm like, no, you didn't specifically, you specifically. But if I was to write his book, that's going in the book because it's something that like makes me laugh and it's him. It's part of him. He's a writer himself and he uses so many wrong words for things, but it's just become his kind of quirk. So that would go into his book. 
so how it kind of works is I sit down and I voice record your whole story, whatever you want to tell me about. Um, usually it takes about two hours, but there's people that have gone on for like six, seven, eight hours of their story. Then I take it and I transcribe it all, hand write it out on, or uh, type it out on the computer and keep all those little nuances and little quotes and things that make it your story. Then I take your pictures or whatever you want to add and incorporate that into the book too. So your family or yourself or whoever is left with this hardcover bound book of your entire story, all the quotes, all the pictures, all the feelings, emotions. It's almost less about being perfect, like the books being perfect in themselves. It's more about being perfectly you or imperfectly you. So I've kind of had all different people do their stories. Um, one of the very first ones that I did, the lady just passed away two years ago. And to look at her, she was, I want to say in her 70s or 80s and sweet grandmother, like really beautiful woman. And then when she told her story, I was like, wow, what? Like you did all that? She was like the caretaker for a bunch of rock stars and like the things she had to like endure and do. And she became a midwife, I think at 13 during World War II and all these things. I was like, how, how, how are you still standing here having gone through all that stuff? And that kind of sparked in my head that we all have these stories. And it's not until we share them that I'm able to see things from your point of view, or I'm able to experience life maybe in your shoes just a little bit and understand why you are who you are, or why you did what you did. And I think that's huge. We don't do that enough. Like it really bothers me that we don't do that enough. And we look at each other and we put each other in boxes and you belong over here, you belong. And it, it's totally wrong. And it's normal to have these kind of snap judgments of somebody. But if you don't go further in my mind, then you're doing a disservice to yourself and to others. Um, recently, I've been thinking a lot about people in jail and people who've ended up in spots that I would never want to experience personally. But why are they there? Like what happened throughout their life and what paths did they take that maybe led them there? Because I very well, like growing up the way I did, could have ended up down those paths 100%, but I went another route and writing saved my life because it was an outlet. But why? Like that's when I'm doing the stories. That's what I want to get down mm -hmm. to is your why, like all those pieces. Very cool. And how long does it take you to do the turnaround on, on a book like that? It depends. Um, I did one two years ago for a gentleman who was dying and I did it in three weeks, which was like, I didn't sleep, eat or anything for three weeks, but <laughs> another one has taken four years and I'm still working on it. So it all depends on the person themselves. If somebody's at the end of life, obviously I want to get that done. Like I want you to see it before you go. And unfortunately it's happened a few times where they haven't, but the experience was there. Um, some people, they're just very, uh, I'm going to say controlling, for lack of a better word, and that's okay. That's just the way they are. So they want their book to be exactly the way they picture it in their mind. And I'll work with you on that. We'll do it. We'll make it out. Yeah. And it'll work out. And how much do you charge mm -hmm. for something like that? So the base price is $9.50. And that includes the two hours of uh, voice recording, your transcription, the pictures, the books. I come and pick up the pictures and scan them. So I edit them a little bit. So a lot of the older pictures are grainy, like, you know, those yellow pictures where you can barely see. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of bring that back a little bit so you can see it better in the book. Um, and then there's other extra add-ons. So I, this is kind of funny, actually. And I think, Rhiannon, you'd like it. Um, a lot of people now I'm finding are wanting to control their funerals. 
So the pictures that are used, uh, the images mm -hmm. for the wake and all that. So I had one lady say, it's my life. I don't want anyone picking out pictures of me. I know what pictures they're going to pick. And that's not really me. And she was super spunky, quirky. So as part of one of my packages, I offer a slideshow with music that you want with maybe uh -huh. some of the highlight quotes and words. So we worked on that. So when she passed away, <laughs> um, some of the things that she wrote, I wouldn't have written in there mm -hmm. or had people read, but it was her and she went out mm -hmm. with her truth. So I was like, that's fantastic. That's, that's awesome. It should be. Yeah. I would totally love to set that up for myself. Right. I would, yeah, too. you know, family go through your boxes and your picture albums mm -hmm. and, you know, I wasn't quite sure. Like when my grandmother passed, we pulled out like 22 pictures or something. We did a big, she wanted a backyard blowout sort of like with liquor and yeah, Scottish. Mm -hmm. She just wanted a celebration of life. I love that. Um, but yeah, some of the pictures I was like, really? To my, yeah. like uncle or my, my aunts I'm like, really that one <laughs> you know exactly. um but yeah like if she had her choice I, I feel like she probably would have been pretty picky about which ones we used in the end yeah. and I feel mm. like that's magical in itself like seeing what she wanted there's a connection there right? oh yeah 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 mm. the aspect I like that of service actually that have you advertised that I, advertising is not my strong suit. I'm not going to lie. I do try, but it's just getting all the information out there. I find it's very hard because there is a lot of information that goes into these. And I've been doing videos more lately because everyone's saying when I talk and when I talk and explain this, the emotion comes out. And not mm -hmm. everyone, when you're writing, unfortunately, you can't always convey that same emotion with the facts. So I'm exploring that a little bit more. Yeah. I think uh, approaching like a funeral home and asking them to put it in the package or a pamphlet on the desk there of the services. So there are a few funeral homes that I've reached out to and my work is there. And uh, actually it's weird that you say that yesterday I spoke to two different people and um, to incorporate writing for grief into their, yeah. into their offerings. So exactly the same life unleashed, but just exploring the grief and kind of what it means, what happens. Um, and then with, because I death and dying for me is something that I kind of like. I know it's morbid and it's weird, but it's something we're all going to go through. It's part of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And working in the hospital, like we try to avoid it. And we pretend it's not there. And it's weird because everything dies. And there's a sense that even in life when we're living, parts of you die and like images of you and all that kind of stuff. So instead of pushing it away, I just kind of welcome it, embrace it. And we've had funerals for the weirdest things in our house and not really funerals, but just like remembrances and grieving. And then we write about it or we paint about it or we find rocks about it and kind of celebrate what happened because I think it's important. The more we push away that kind of grief process about whatever it is, the harder it's going to be in the end. Yeah. Our uh, culture over here, like at least in this part of the world doesn't really deal with like death in a very positive way it doesn't prepare you you're not prepared mm -hmm. by cultural norms i guess exactly mm -hmm. especially in the niagara region um melanie i don't know if you're in the niagara region or not uh, yes i am i am right? yeah well we yeah. have a high population of elderly and mm -hmm. what's going to happen over the next 10 years is there's going to be many deaths and it's not me being morbid or like threatening or anything but it's going to happen and I feel like there's a lot of kids who don't always get to experience it in a positive way and that creates that fear and it kind of grows with us as we get older so we fear death and 
I don't know. I kind of gave up on fearing death a long time ago and it opened up my ability to appreciate things more and enjoy people more, enjoy things more. My brain is swirling right now, just so you know. Um, <laughs> so just a couple things that come to mind. So first of all, you know, you spoke about your grief, uh, the grief writing workshops or, or, you know, that process. And I think, um, it would be really great if you could do something like that, especially for those of us who've lost people through COVID because you haven't been able to grieve the way you would normally grieve someone. So that's really something to uh, consider. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that uh, I just curious about, you get to know people uh, very um, closely, I guess is the word. Um, I was able to do, I, I scrapbook. I have scrapbook for many, many years. And I was able to do a scrapbook for someone. It was a gift. So a, a gentleman had passed away and she was her, his partner. And she wanted this to be created for his daughter. So she gave me literally a bag or more than one of um, just kind of life stuff, mostly career orientated because they were both teachers. And so he had a very... Um, like just, you know, he got awards and he was in newspaper articles. And so she gave it all to me literally in a bag. There was no organization to it whatsoever. Um, and so it was my job to kind of go through it and organize it. And I just found that whole process. Like I felt like I knew this man that I had never met ever mm -hmm. um, to be able to go through that process. And I did it for someone that I, you know, never met, would never know. And I don't think that families have that opportunity to do that. Right. You know, I, I you know, I think of all the, like literally if there, there's probably a hundred photo albums that are kind of in existence across my family. Yeah. And there's so many pictures in there that no one knows who they are. Yeah. So you doing this allows people to preserve some of that. Yep. Reconnect. I, I, it's, yeah. I think it's a really, amazing service that needs to um be talked about and and yes of course at end of life but wouldn't it sure. be lovely if it could be done during life so yes. people could learn about one another earlier so that you it's not just as a and you know yeah you've lost and, the, yeah that but, whole idea of, yeah. of you know giving your inheritance earlier yeah like give True. your story earlier too exactly yeah yeah, because that's sort of like trending now. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm very much like in tune with like, like I love nature and I've talked about like, I love doing like fire sessions and stuff like that. But I also believe that we're also made up of like our pasts, but also our ancestors' pasts and our family's past. And like, there's just yeah. so much stuff that is entwined in you. And like, if you think about it as mothers, because all three of us are mothers, you held that child inside of you, but all the feelings and things that you had also were flowing through that child so now they have that too it's birthed into them so by hearing your story and what you went I almost feel like it releases a bit in them as well and I wouldn't want to know all this after the person who birthed me is gone I'd want to know about it now so I can understand Being why I'm with your children exactly mm -hmm. 
and even like my great 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 whoever I want to know who they are because I've been told and I don't know my family as well like it's kind of hypocritical that I know none of my family history but I want other people to know theirs but I've been told that there's this lady um I think she would have been a great 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 grandmother or something like that who was very strong she was tall but she was a lot like me in the way that I think and the way that I act my mannerisms and I'm like okay so what then they're like oh I don't know that's all I know I'm like are you kidding me like this could help me so much like just navigate life so there's like a lot of history that could be beneficial for people in the long run yeah again it's sort of like our society over here we don't value our older people we don't value their stories it's almost like it takes somebody like you to go in there like with my grandfather I could sit I have sat there and listened yeah (laughs) but I could send you in there instead and I'm excited about that idea (laughs) right excited about the idea because I know there's so many more stories that he hasn't told me like I just found out that you know he was arrested when he was younger for having pot on him and like you know had, had half a joint or something when he was 17 like I've only found that out recently and I'm like wait what else is there like <laughs> but you've told me enough but I need to know more now and we always look at elderly or like our parents even or whoever with this like lens where we're like you're perfect you're an, you're an older person so you have never done any wrong in your life but then you look at your own life and you're like oh god do you remember when i stole that chapstick from the store do you remember when this happened or whatever right you're like you were alive so why why think that your parents or your grandparents were that way like you gotta know i, I would want to know them as them like they're yeah. true essence of who they and they are. might even open up more to you coming in as like an outside family member and you That's, know yeah 100 yeah. accurate yeah i found that and i share when i'm doing my recordings i share bits about my life so it's not just them telling me telling me it becomes a conversation so if there's something i can connect with i will share that piece because i want the person to feel comfortable enough to share you need to know like in order to it's almost like a respect thing in order to relay information to me and open up I have to relay information to them and open up as well so it's a two-way street so it's kind of neat yeah very interesting okay makes me oh oh, no go go ahead ahead. no it just makes me think of the time that I realized that my uncle was born before my grandmother and grandfather were married before my uncle like I did the math in my head and they were pregnant when they got married and that was a realization that I had you just you know, and it was just, a, it was hilarious because of course no one told me that, mm-hmm. but when I realized it, my grandmother, you know, she had a lot to say at that point, but it was just, it makes me laugh. It's just it, a funny thing. Yeah. So. Those types of things. Yeah. can really be brought out by just having somebody, but you know, like even like at my grandmother's, um, it, when we were putting her in the wall at the graveyard, um, somebody, I can't remember who it was made like a little speech. And in the speech, sort of let the cat out of the bag that she was born from a different father. And her oh. sister was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't put two and two together that my grandmother had a different last name because there was like, you know, a 10 year difference. So while my grandmother mm-hmm. was a teenager, they were just little kids loving their older sister. Right. Yeah. But those, that was like a whole story that got lost somehow. In that That's family. So I love secrets like that that kind of come out. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be cool if they came out before because then your grandmother could have talked well, to Somebody about asked it and... her, like, didn't you ever question why she went to go live with her grandmother? No. Didn't question it. <laughs> yeah. So but why would you? Yeah. 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 Why would you? Yep. 
but yeah, those types of stories like you're uncovering and it, that's such a cool idea for a business. I love it. I have mm-hmm. so many other ideas. Like that's my problem. I think I have a lot of ideas. So then I'm like, oh, I got to do this, like shiny things. Let's go do it. But like, <laughs> I'm like, calm down. Um, something that I love, I love walking through the cemetery, uh, Victoria, was it Victoria Park Cemetery just over on Queenston? And I take my daughter and we walk through it and we've done it since she was born. And it's quiet. That's the main reason I go there. And there's not a lot of people and the path is perfect. But when I'm reading the gravestones, I'm like, I wonder what this person was like. Like, they're just so old, the gravestones, and they're cracked and they're crumbling. And it kind of hurts me that that is what I know of the person. I know that Patricia, I don't know, Elgart was born in 1858 and lived to this. But I'm like, the dash in between. I'm like, I want to know your story. I want to know yeah, what happened. What's your dash? What's your dash? Mm-hmm. So I was like, it'd be so cool if I could meet with those family members and like get as much information and just have like a little podium or something or something where it speaks out of. So you can press a button and learn about what Patricia was like oh. or learn about what Kimberly That's was like. That's sort of like walking through the graveyard here um, on Drummond Hill. There's like plaques everywhere. Is there? Okay. I've not. Yeah. Well, not on all of them. Some of the really old ones. My son actually like put one back up the other day because it fell over again, but we'll go through there. Right. Nobody's in there. So it's a good place to go walking. But uh, yeah, there's plaques, uh, you know, about some of these graves and the unknown soldier Mm -hmm. and things like that. It's a little bit more, you know, touristy, I guess, or something, but, but it's a similar idea. Like you get to know a little bit about who's in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why not? And like, maybe it'll stop us from making mistakes that we're making today. Cause I find that like, it's like cycle. We're still living, making all the mistakes. A lot of the mistakes that we made in the past, if you listen to those stories, you're like, oh, okay, this didn't work. So let's not do this. Let's do this instead. Yeah. About your own personal life. I mean, as well, like just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You need to know this stuff. Yeah. You're, you seem really interested in history. Is that your favorite genre or? No, I never read history. Normally I like hearing history and talking about it, but yeah I don't know I like the story aspect I guess okay so what is your favorite genre oh god I don't know I like murder mysteries if I'm writing or reading or fantasy um murder mysteries I don't know why I like reading that but writing it's more fantasy but fantasy with truth in it um so we yesterday actually I put on my life and leash class and the question I put out there was to look at a series of pictures and I think I may have done this when you were in their class Rhiannon and identify a picture that speaks to you for some reason it's calling out to you and then you pick an emotion that also is calling out to you and write a story as it pertains to the pandemic how you coped with the pandemic or how you are or whatever And so I actually did it with the class and was writing and this story about a girl sitting in front of the fire and having the fire talk to her and like she kind of revealed who she truly was on the inside came out. And I was like, why? I I was thinking to myself, this is actually what happened during the pandemic, but in a fantasy kind of platform. And I feel like people accept fantasy sometimes more than they do reality because if I was to sit here and tell you a whole story about how during the pandemic I lost myself and I found myself by going outside and exploring nature yeah you'd probably find it interesting but if I was to paint it in such a picture where I'm sitting in front of the fire and the fire is yelling who are you in my face and as the fire touched my skin I was transported to another part of my brain where I went through all the history of who I was and when I came back it was like I was rebirthed you're more likely to be like, Ooh, then what yeah. happened? Then what <laughs> just happened? straight out. Yeah. Yeah. Just straight so, out reciting what's coming out of your brain as it's coming out, taking time to, 
yeah i did you did do one um i did see the, the one with the bears in the hot tub i think yeah and then there was one um a prompt of uh write a fantasy character but not how they're usually portrayed yes and that's how i started this new book that i'm working on very cool yeah I took that prompt and and ran with it. And that's exactly the idea is to take a fantasy character, plug in pieces and parts of my life and other people's lives, but disguise them in such a way that they are these fantasy characters in the fantasy land. So I'm taking pieces of my life, but I'm not naming names and I'm not pointing fingers. (laughs) I'm not admitting to anything either. So no, it protects you because you do have to protect yourself too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so what's your writing schedule like now? Like, do you get time to write? Um, yes, I actually just, I'm very visual. You can probably see on the wall here, like I have all these boards and all these pieces of papers. I love lists. So I just actually mapped out exactly what I'm working on. And I have six books on the go. That sounds like a lot, but it's not because I just switch from each one, depending on my mood or what's going on in life. I get stuck on some, so I'll just go to something else. My dad and I are actually working, writing a book together um, about a woman who tells people stories and she uncovers um, a mystery. Somebody was murdered and just how she uncovers this mystery. And we're tying in a character from one of his other books who a detective that comes in. So it's going to be a bit of an overlap. So that's kind of our reconnection thing because my dad and I didn't have the best relationship for a long time till I understood what happened and his story kind of thing. So this is like us rebuilding. Um, I have a personal story my cat psycho was my best friend and my soulmate and everything she Mm -hmm. passed away uh, last year actually and but I still think about her often she was the thing that grounded me so I wrote a kid's book about my daughter and the cat and just the journeys that they go on and then I've started writing more of an adult version of it Um, not with my daughter as the character because that would be weird Um, Mm -hmm. but still with my cat exploring and it's really like every book I write has elements of me in it and it's really just my way of processing information and what's going on in the world so there's a couple but then with the programs and writing there's going to be a lot of different programs that I'm putting out there I finally come to terms that there are people that want to do that deep deep diving and want the realness of writing. So that's more of what I'm putting out there. I think in the beginning, I was very timid and- um, Unsure if it would work. Yeah, and like just watering things down so that everybody had fun. But now I'm like, okay, cut that. Let's get right to to it. Yes, let's do it. That was like us the other night at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. We wrote for like an hour together. Yeah. last week I think it was it was last week and I I thought that was so good like I felt that's why I had trouble talking to you after I was just so in it like yeah loving everything Mm -hmm. that I put down cut out time to write it's hard exactly okay um I wanted to ask you about publishing yes a lot of people are self-publishing now online it seems very easy to publish I have a lot of people that write to be on the podcast that say oh I'm published I'm published you know you should read my book, send me to Amazon. And there's like a $12 book that they want me to buy and read. Yes. Um, how lucrative is self-publishing right now? Do you know? I think it's pretty lucrative. Um, this actually comes up because I teach. So I have that uh, Untethered Birds Components to Book Writing course that I teach. And it's a nine week or nine month course where you start from the concept and you birth your book. And I say birth because you truly are like creating this piece and um 
like your book is your baby. So we go through and we do like the writing, what goes into it. But when we get to the publishing part, that's always the part I not struggle, but cringe at because there's a lot of opinions. So whether you go the self-published or you use a publisher, it's up to you. It's up to your finances. It's up to like how much time (laughs) you have. My dad, I helped um, publish all of his books and we used a group called Lulu, which was very awesome, but it's expensive. Like if you're a person like me, who's working on the side and just wants to get her work up there, it is worth it to do it yourself. So there's tons of different uh, platforms that you can use, but I would say if you're going to publish your own work, the biggest part is connecting with your readers. Like you can put any book on Amazon and yes, you can buy it. But if I don't know you trust you or like, I'm not interested in you, why would I buy your book? So the people that I've seen that have self-published and have amazing Instagram accounts, and I'm not talking about pretty pictures or like that kind of thing. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, today I went outside into this hiking or I went hiking and I found this cool tree and blah, 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 blah. Then I'm getting to know who you are and I'm more likely to pick up your book, whatever your book is. It doesn't really matter. But the people that put their book out there and spend a ton of money, it might work for you, but in the long run, do you get the payout? Because you have to remember, even though a book's being sold for $12, that $12 doesn't always come all back to you. Amazon does hold on to a portion of that money, right? So Yeah, that's how he forded the rocket, no? Yeah, exactly, right? Go on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. So many layers. But whatever avenue a person takes, I'm like, make sure you're okay with it. It doesn't matter my opinion. It doesn't matter anybody else's opinion. Can you do it? And is it worth it for you? That's great advice. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us. No problem. That's one question that's definitely rattling around in my head. What do I do when I'm done? Yeah. I still have to, to get through the tough <laughs> editing. Yeah, I know. What, remember I was talking, I said, when I'm like 50, I'll be ready. So I'll have time. Right. No, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Um, Melanie, do you have any other questions for Kimberly? Before uh... I... I don't think I have any more questions, but I will be in touch. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. So I thought we would end with a, a fun little who did it better okay. author's version. And I hope that you know all of these authors. I'm not sure if you do, but Melanie, please join in and give your opinion as well. Sure. Okay. So the first one is in fantasy. So who did it better? J.K. Rollins or J.R.R. Tolkien? Tolkien. <laughs> so harry potter or the hobbit did you read the hobbit Mel? i've never read the hobbit no oh it's so good it's a tough read okay. uh, yeah. somebody read it out loud to me actually in grade six. Oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. in the hallway outside the classroom during reading time. <laughs> I, like, I really want to know what this book is all about but i don't want to read it yeah. but yeah so yeah hobbit hobbit's my vote too okay in yeah. horror Stephen King or Mary uh, Shelley? Oh, that's tough. Because they're Frankenstein. two different time periods. Yeah. yeah. It's a tie. Yeah. I've read I mean, both, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> but they're not, it's not my favorite genre, so it's hard for me to give you an answer there. And I feel like Shelley, because I know the backstory of like how she wrote the book and all that. I'm like, oh, that is so cool. And then Stephen King, mm-hmm. he's just amazing. Like absolutely but amazing. would say a tie. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, vampires. So Anne Rice or Stephanie Meyer. So that's Twilight. I know the right answer is Anne Rice, but. So interview with the vampire versus Twilight. <laughs> it comes down to Brad Pitt or Robert Patterson for me. Honestly. <laughs> no, those care those movies were so bad. Um it's a tie because I read them at two different periods of my life too. Mm. What do you think, Melanie? Uh I can't answer on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> anyway. Okay, uh poets. Maya Angelou or Rupi Rupi Carr. Is it her car? She wrote Milk and Honey. Yeah, both amazing. I go with Maya Angelou. Yeah, I'm going with Maya as well. I connect like some of the things that she writes just like hit me in the soul. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the whole I rise, I rise. Oh my god. Yeah, bald, I bald, I bald. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) powerful. Yeah, uh, Canadian lit. So, Margaret Atwood or Margaret Lawrence? Atwood. Atwood all the way. Mm-hmm. I love her. Robber Bride. Her hidden messages in her book are really interesting. Like the deeper meaning of what she writes. What do you think? Emma Lawrence. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'm like a 55 Lawrence. Okay. Because of the Stone Angel. Okay. Yeah. Love that. Oh. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. such a dry ass read, but so, mm. like just there's so much in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't say that about her. I shouldn't say dry ass. It's not really, it's not always <laughs> a bad thing. <laughs> no, it, that was the magic of the book, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then diaries. So Anne Frank or go ask Alice by anonymous. Mm. Another toughie, eh? Yeah. Cause it's because you find so many connections in them. So like both of them spoke to me in different ways. I'm going to go with Anne Frank. I'm leaning more towards Anne Frank, but it's like just by a smidge. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to say 60% Anne Frank. Yeah. Just because Go Ask Alice had a huge impact on me. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's all, that's it for that list. That was fun. So I guess we could end on what are you reading now? What am I reading? Right now I'm reading a book by Chevy Stevens. Um, She's actually an author in BC. If you don't follow her on Instagram, follow her because she's so cool and quirky. Um, But I'm also reading a book. Oh, I wish I had it in here because I don't remember the title or the author, but it's a series. um, The Beltha Elkins series about a prosecutor who is in a small town in the States, a Southern town, and it's like a dying town. So like super poor drugs are everywhere. And she's a prosecutor. Um, it's a series, sorry. So she's a prosecutor that throughout the books are just trying to take down crime and take down murder and all the drugs. But she finds out that she murdered uh, her father when she was 10. And she had thought that her sister had done it. And her sister had like drummed it into her head that she did it, she did it, she did. It. So she would protect her and go to jail. And she just, in my book, she just found out that no, she actually killed her father who had been assaulting them and doing all these horrible things. But Feel, she is that a new book? 
Or yeah. it's relative this this like um this is the fifth book I think in the series and it's relatively mm-hmm. new but oh my god it's like mind-blowing it's really good yeah I sound mm-hmm. like it, it sounds like I could get lost in it and then neglect all the other things in my life oh literally and she goes with <laughs> the dishes on my counter like I just I was like I don't care I need to just get through this like and like an old tv shouldn't be your babysitter but I'm like okay you're gonna watch some tv now while mommy <laughs> reads her book <laughs> Yeah, it's hard when they're young. Yeah, yeah, to get that all that all that you stuff in, right? Yeah. Your identity sort of ends up a little bit like it's them first for many years. Yeah, so yeah. you got to make time to read. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much for this conversation. It was awesome. We covered so many topics. Yes, this is fun. I- yeah, and I feel like I've learned a little bit more about you. And um, I know Melanie said she would be reaching out, but I feel like I will be reaching out as well Amazing. for your services. That sounds great. If you'd like to know more about Kimberly and her business, Retro Scripts, the link is in the description. And if you'd like to know a little bit more about the wellness and art activities that I offer, you can visit me at bewhimsyartloft.ca and that link is in the description as well. We will be holding some upcoming art and wellness retreats in St. Catharines and uh, that is in partnership with the St. Catharines Leisure Department. So we will be out of the Port Weller Community Centre. If you'd like to know a little bit more about that and how to sign up, please follow up with me at artbyriannanberry at gmail.com. Thank you and have a great day.